0: Hi, my name is Aviva, and I will be having a conversation with Rona Love for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans identifying people. It's July 2nd, 2019, and it's being recorded on Broom Street in Chinatown in my apartment. Hi. Hi. I'm really excited that you're here.
1: Thank you for having me here.
0: Yeah.
1: It is my pleasure.
0: Thank you. I'll
1: introduce myself, Ms. Brony Love.
0: Yeah, hi. Um, I thought we would just start with where you were born.
1: I was born in a town called Toata in Puerto Rico on April 29, 1961.
0: Mm. And do you um, want to talk a little about your childhood? or?
1: Yes. Um, as a child, to the age of seven, I was in the farm in Puerto Rico, until 1968, that I got kidnapped with my twin sister. We spent two years in captivity, and in the process, I lost my sister, my twin sister. She died before we could get rescued. In 1970, I was flown to New York. That's that where I was placed in a children' mental institution because I lost my mind behind losing my twin, and which I still haven't been the same start losing half of your heart and your soul thereafter i spent almost nine years in mental institution and i went into a revenge when i found out where the people that killed my sister and harmed us as a child i went and killed them i took the law into my head i killed them for the simple fact that two run doesn't make a right but I couldn't live in my clear conscious mind thinking and knowing that could harm another child, one other woman, so I felt I don't need to be in this earth anymore. I was sent to prison where I spent three decades of my life, 35 years. I have been recently released on April 17th of 2019, two weeks before my 58th birthday. During my hospital, uh, treatments were supposed to be treatment. I was tortured by mental health staffs. I was sexually and physically abused. I was placed in straitjackets, which they no longer exist anymore. And while in straitjackets, they'll drug me up with medication and rape me in a room they call the quiet room, the rubber room which is a room that's designed so that you don't harm yourself or others, but there's no windows on the door, so stop going there and do whatever they want with you. You're helpless, you can't fight back, you're too drugged up, and you're tied up in a straitjacket. After that experience that I was incarcerated for the murder, for double murder, uh, My first years of incarceration, I suffered the same thing um, physical and sexual abuse by other prisoners, as well as correction officers, guards that are supposed to be protecting us. I tried to commit suicide several times. I cut my veins because I was tired of the pain that was never ending. You think that and you incarcerated that you will be protected. No, you won't. Especially if you're gay, you're bisexual, you're transsexual, you're lesbian, a butch, whatever, which way you identify yourself and the LGBT community, you will have it rougher than everybody else because we are targets. At least back then in the 70s and 80s, we was the worst target ever. We was the worst of the worst. We was called the scum of the earth. We was called the most nastiest things you could ever know. You come in there as a human, and while you're in there, you become a human animal. You do things that you never do, you will be doing in life. You are subject to... So much craziness that your mind becomes adapted to the environment, the negative in the environment. Through the 90s or to the beginning of the 2000s to 2015 and 2016 was the last experiences I had in prison and meant to help with sexual and physical abuse. In 2015, after I a file complaint against a deputy superintendent of security, he had them place me in a mental health observation cell. What well, they call a mental health observation cell. It's a cell that's designed and mental health. That has nothing. You, They take your clothing away. The There's no bedding. There's no mattress. You're sleeping in a steel frame. And it's a torture. It doesn't help you. What it do to you, it makes you, it deteriorates your mental state of mind. And it makes you want to commit suicide instead of helping you come. And in the first place, you wasn't supposed to have been there. So they drive you crazy to justify putting you up there. After my third day up there, I was called one afternoon. It was in June i never forget. They said that I had to uh, go to medical, see medical. So before you come out, you have to put your hands behind your bike. There's a, there's a mesh door, steel door, with a slot on it that they open. You put your hands through there from behind, and they cuff you before they open it. They're supposed to, for security reasons, and for protecting them and protecting yourself. So when they took me out, they, I came out. Like I'm going to a medical unit. So they put me in a side room that they have there where they use for interviews during the daytime. It was on the 3:11 shift. It was around 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So they pinned me on the wall. When I was on the wall, all of a sudden, some other officers came and grabbed me by my leg and took me down to the floor. They started punching me and in my ribs and slapping me in my face and telling me, This is for Deputy Superintendent Piccolo send you this and say hello. And then they spread my legs open and they took a baton and wrapped it on my rectum. I lost my mind. I was really gone because I thought I'd never experience that again. You handcuffed, you helpless, they're holding you down and there's nothing you could do. So I lost my mind and I was placed on, a, on on a call emergency PK, which is a transfer out of that facility to the Sing Sing Correctional Facility where I was placed in their mental the health unit and because they seen that I was in functioning to write they sent me to the Central New York Psychiatric Center on December 30th, 2015. On February 2016, while at the Central New York Psychiatric Center, staff got mad at me for some apparent reason. I never knew why. And they said that I was acting violently and that I was acting like I was going to harm. So they took me to what they call now a five-point, which is the replacement of the uh, straitjacket. So what they do, they strap your hands, they strap your waist, they strap your legs, they strap your neck, and they strap your forehead. So they pin you down like you're getting ready to get executed in the electric chair. That's how they tie you up. So after about a half hour to about 40 minutes after I'm strapped, this TA that I will never, ever forget for the rest of my life, and and I see his face every day walks in the room when another one stood at the door and proceeded to rape me. Why? The other one watched from the door and telling me, this is what you like, right? This is what you like. I mean, as a transgender woman, since childhood, yes, I love consensual sex. I love to have intercourse when I want it. Not when somebody's forcing it on me. And I have to like the person. I don't go around just having sex with anybody in the course. It's been since 2017, since since November 4th, 2017, when I last had sex with someone that I really cared about. And that person disappeared from my life after that. And I have not ever since had any sex with anyone. And I think, course, for that matter, because first of all, I love myself. I take good care of my health, which is the most important. And in order for me to mess with somebody, mm-hmm. they have to go get a physical, bring me paperwork, and show me that they are very well. The same like me, every six months, I get a checkup for my food physical, which I, I just recently had one two weeks ago. And I have the paperwork with a clean bill of health. Wow. I'm very healthy. So I don't want to catch anything from anybody. And like vice versa, if I was to ever have any type of sickness or get sick for any reason, I want people to know. That I am sick for whatever other reasons may be. Totally. Not necessarily means AIDS or anything, but you can get sick for many other things. So I but, like the same way I'm honest with people, I like people to be honest with me.
0: And when you say you love yourself, like having self love after all of those experiences is like unbelievably a beautiful possession, self possession that you can have that. And I wanted to know, like, what helped you survive? Like, what gave you hope?
1: Well, when I said that I love myself, I used to hate myself first. Mm-hmm. I wanted to die so bad. That was in a day that I didn't think about dying. That was in a day that I think about getting my freedom and coming to my hand and climbing one of the highest buildings and just jump first and committing suicide. Twelve years ago, I met this young Intern by the name of Mick Kincaid. He was a freshman. He's a trans man. And he was a freshman with prison's legal services. I was having problems with medical obtaining my transitional um, bifocal glasses. I guess seizure disorders due to a raw medication that was given to me. I don't have seizures from birth or from anything else other than they gave me some medication that was supposed to be for pain for my lower back and end up, a month later, end up having me to cast seizures, experience something I never experienced. Although it's growing, all that's going out of my system now. But it lasted quite a, a few years before it started slowing down. I keep the seizure medication, Keppra, where I used to take 3,000 milligrams a day. I still keep a bottom of it just in case it comes back on Sunday. But I haven't taken it over a month. I haven't had a seizure. So meaning that it's almost all out of my system or that it's completely out of my system. Um, so besides that medical issue, I take um, hormones and I take hormone shots and stuff and mm-hmm. this spiral of them for my transition. Mm-hmm. In which in prison, is held everything is held pushed back due to bureaucracy I'm from docs, and discrimination. So you know, they took me off my hormones in 1995, and had me 23 years without any hormones. Or therapeutic treatment for my transition, and it caused me to lose whatever I already had developed since 1982 as far as my breast was concerned, which was the thing that hurt me the most. I hated myself so much, and I wanted to die so bad because it made me feel less than a woman then, and i back to normal, and now restarting back. And 2017, they restarted me back in my hormones Mm -hmm. in November. And it's been a different experience and a different process because it's slower than it used to be. It's not as fast, and then my development are not going as they should have been. I I went to Mount Sinai Hospital, St. Luke's, when I met with a surgeon who's going to do my breast implants in November, the first week of November, due to a load of surgeries they have. And then I'm going to get my SRS surgery done thereafter that. I have to meet with Dr. Tang, also from and I.
0: And did you have access to, like, researching and finding out about this while inside, or, like, how did you...
1: No, I already have, having all this since 1982, I've been in the process of doing it. Yeah. But like being incarcerated, you're limited to medical treatment and the things they could provide you with and they don't want to pay for the surgery. So I was fighting it for over 30 years before I got approved to get it done. And then once I got approved to get it done, two weeks later, they decided to release me from prison.
0: Wow.
1: So, you know, it was a bureaucracy, but um, to get back to the point of why, to me, I had become more healthy by myself, because I love myself with the fact that the people I met, Hazel Katz, who I met, through advocacy to the Parole Preparation Law Project, and Daniel Poliak, and then McKinkey got promoted Got graduated, became an attorney, then got promoted to the Sylvia Rivera um, Director of uh, Prison Justice Project, and now currently working with um, PLS again, and in Rackers Island to shut down Rackers Island. Uh, my community, I got involved with them 12 years ago, too. I'm um, heavily with advocacy. I used to do articles for Black and Pink. And I still do, which I work with them and volunteer a lot of work with them and do mail processing and writing articles.
0: Did you get, did you have a pen pal when you were inside or did you?
1: Yeah, um, Vivi. Vivi was my pen pal, which is also another transgender. I love her to death. Uh, She had to disappear for a while due to some problems and shit, so... I just recently, last night, she called me. It was the most surprising thing, because when I picked this, I got a phone call coming from Chicago. And I said, who the hell is in Chicago calling me? Mm -hmm. And when I pick up, it was Vivi. Uh, It was the most wonderful moment of my life, because I love Vivi to death. She has been a great sister, a great supporter. And I was looking forward to seeing at my release, but she was gone before I got released. So I took we spoke for almost an hour and a half time on the phone. Yeah. And so the Emily, because Emily was from NYU, she was in a, studying in uh communication, a journalist. And we used to communicate, she used to come visit me. So we got to become very close. And now she's an intern in California. Yeah. And it's been uh, a rocket ever because I miss her so dearly. We used to hang around a lot. So I met a lot of my other um, trans sisters and trans brothers who we hang around now together.
0: That's so beautiful and that you can go out meet every them. Up. Week. Yes. Yeah. And did you have anyone while you were <clears> incarcerated that was a friend to you or that you could bond over a certain well, relationship to gender and your sexuality and
1: let me tell you, um, in prison, you don't have friends. You have associates, and you can't trust nobody. Everybody in prison has an agenda. Mm-hmm. They want to, uh, they're only close to you for two reasons. What you could give them, what they could get out of you, or drugs. And these are the biggest problems our community is divided in prison. Why? Because they're all busy going in each other's throats. And it's one of the promises I made that when I get out, I, we have to unify our community in order for us to succeed and get what we want and be to be, strong in progress. We all need to unify as one. Mm-hmm. Gay people doesn't see us as part of their family. Um, bisexuals are in between. Drag queens, the entertainers, and they really don't care about the transsexuals because they feel that they're still in their spotlight. So it's this kind of thing that is very hurtful. I mean, I I said the story before, and I said a thousand times, how you greet a gay couple and they respond back to you, it's, fuck you, bitch. That hurts. That hurts deep because you're still my brother. Yeah. You know, we're still a family. What do you... Regardless of... uh,
0: What do you sense are the differences of like this generation or younger gay people now versus when you were here in the 70s?
1: Well, it's amazing. Uh, This generation here... It's so wonderful and powerful that it puts us to shame, the old generation, because we didn't have the energy, the courage to stand up the way the new generation is standing up. We didn't advocate as strong as hard as they're doing for us today. We should be the ones advocating for the young generation, but it's the opposite. They're bright, they're smart, and they know what they're doing. They're very politically motivated and activated. So I'm very proud because uh, two reasons. One, because they don't have it as rough as we had it back then. Okay, there's few incidents that happen, happened and, and, you know, tragics. But in the 70s, and we had words. We used to be tortured and really disrespected by society. Cis people was like out of this world and very bad. So.
0: Where did you used to hang out in the 70s? Like where were places people gathered?
1: Well, I spent my whole childhood life in mental institution. So they used to take us on trips to Reese Beach, to the Bronx Zoo park what was reese like park. what was
0: reese like then
1: oh reese was amazing and you know i recently went to reese and it's still amazing it's i mean there's been some modifications in that beach but it's amazing it's one of the best beaches you go to because you free as a As a transgender, as a bisexual, as a gay person, as a lesbian, as a butch, as a LGBT community in general. When you're in there there is no this is what I don't understand. We in beach, we are one family and we sense each other's love and we all have fun. Why do it takes the beach to feel that love and outside of that you're back to your normal self? Yeah. It's like it's a magical moment when you and there it becomes like magical.
0: Was it as like busy in the seventies when you were there? Like did it Oh,
1: Absolutely. It was <laughs> packed. I mean packed. When I mean packed it was hard to even walk and the So it was the same because it was right, like that because now. Now I've been there twice already and, and it hasn't been, been packed, but I haven't seen it as packed as, uh, as back in the I've yet to see a real pack. I went to Coney Island and Coney Island is not the same either. A lot of modification changes and new activities. Uh, I went to Far Rockaway Beach and the same thing, that one is like always been boring because hardly barely people go in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've been limited people, especially on the weekends holidays, and
0: holidays. Were there certain clubs that you hung out with, uh, hung out at in the 70s? Or?
1: Well, I used to go to Lamelight as a young girl, and I used wow. to sneak in at times sometimes. I used to let me sneak in sometimes, and you can't come in, depending who was security at the door. Mm-hmm. And if you knew the people you was with some transgender that they liked it <coughs> excuse me and um and I went to Sparkle uh they had another one in, uh, and uh bad gate and tree in the Bronx another couple there and it was great I used to go out to the village I love the village and mm. go watch into Square park because that's that's the community's park, and that's the community's neighborhood.
0: And did it feel like there was like all these different groups of people that associated as trans femme or like butch, or did and stayed separately, or did it feel like everyone was kind of like together? At well, the same? it was
1: unified. It was unified. It was unified, and the village has always been unified. But the most you unified on the, on the village was the transgenders and the drag queens. Because there was all these places down there, all the way to 32nd Street, all the way from 14th to West Fourth to Webley to, Webby, to um, Beckley, um, all the way to uh, Washington Square Park. Mm. All that was entertainment, because all these clubs was all in that area. And so we we'll go, you barely find gay clubs now. That's 1 and um, 54th and 9th called the uh, Blazing Saddle. Oh, I love. love that club there. I go there. <laughs> it's amazing because it's a gay club, but they're so wonderful in there and, and so unified, and they dance and stage, and we have lots of fun in there. Nice. And, and we don't have any type. of All the gay, they don't discriminate. They got women that go in there, and you got the lesbians and the butchers that also go. So they have no problem. Yeah. Never have any type of problems arguments a bit, and everybody just get along just fine which is beautiful.
0: What did you do for employment then Like, how did you get money? Or-
1: back then back then I was I was working in the phone company and I worked in the electric company and on the weekends my father used to own a gas engine so I'm a auto mechanic. Wow. So, I, I could take your transmission, your car, rebuild it, take it apart, Damn, rebuild okay. it. <laughs> and I used to take the motors out, clean them up, and I rewired cars, rewired the, the cars for the radios and everything else that needed to be uh, rewired. Wow. Could, you could take a car from the junkyard that's local. Now, this, I don't know not about computerized cars right now, but. If you buy a junk car for it. that junkyard, yeah. Yeah. and you give me a week with it,
0: when magic. you get oh. it
1: back, it will be like you got it from the car dealer.
0: Damn, okay. And <laughs> I have
1: it running like nothing happened to it. I it's just spank and Those are times you never forget.
0: Yeah, that's a really good one
1: to have. I'm good with fixing about anything. I fix light fixtures. I, I fix broken fans. I bring broken TVs. on wow. anything, you know, anything broke. Uh, refrigerators. Yeah. Uh, washing machines. Yeah. I could refix wiring in, in the house. So then the, the phone, the same thing. The old to do installations and wow. take the phones apart and put them back together take the pay phones and put them direct in the streets. Well, now the pay phones are a yeah, little so of a ruin. Yeah. I haven't seen a pay phone ever yet since I've been out. Everybody's just walking down the street with, yeah, with their eyes in the park and watching really they're going.
0: Now that you're out on the street seeing technology used in that way, Does, how is that Although
1: change? I get frustrated even with my phone because I still haven't fully learned how to use it yet. yeah. But mm-hmm. technology just something else.
0: And I also heard that you had an art practice that you draw.
1: Oh, yes, I did a lot of art. Um, my artwork comes from how I feel. Mm-hmm. How I feel with the person I'm communicating with and the person I'm going to send it to. Like me and Hazel. Uh, Hazel is so very special. So when I go to certain things and I talk with Hazel and Hazel that was a drawing came out which I used to do on, on handkerchiefs, and uh, I would send it to Hazel, and Hazel would keep safe putting them up in the wall. But she's she's amazing. to me. she's she's the best thing I have out here. Asa that I could call her truly, truly, true sister, and. I'm sorry to say, anybody ever do anything to Hazel, I think I go back to prison. That's how much I love Hazel and will protect her with my life. And when Hazel's hurting, I hurt. And when Hazel did not go through I call him. We used to help each other. When I was kind of, Hazel used to come visit me and we sit there and we just go by each other. And by the time we did, we're cracking up and laughing and we we're back to normal is something that I miss so much. As I've been out here we we communicate, we went to the beach together and everything, we had a good time.
0: Well because I mean it's beautiful you had relationships with people yeah. on the outside and I'm wondering what you could share with us about what people need on the inside now. Like what you think would definitely help raise their spirits, give them
1: Well yeah. What 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 people need is they sincere about turning their life around, using their bad experience whether it was intentional or unintentional. You need positive people that's willing to give you a helping hand when you come out, to give you just that one push, where you could move forward. I have not met hazu Mick, Daniel Poliak, my community, and the Jewish community, because the Jewish community has been one of my biggest supporters.
0: Could you talk more about that? How did did that happen?
1: Well, I used to practice Judaism uh, for quite some time, until 2012 when Rabbi Epstein came to my cell at the prison. And told me, well, I got some bad news for you. I said, huh? So, first thing come on my mind, I thought he got an emergency call from one of my families again that something must have happened to my family. So, he scared me that time. And I said, please don't tell me it's my mother. He said, no, 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 it got no to do with your family. They said, in a sense. So, he said there's a new rule that was implemented at the uh, New York State Department of Correction." Main office with the commissioner said that if your mother wasn't Jewish then you couldn't no longer go to the synagogue. So I heard me when he told me that and I cried for two days. Because I love I loved that I was having so much fun in in Judaism and to take that away from me at the times what I was going through was like putting another knife in my chest. Mm-hmm. So I during Passover, the feast after Passover, that uh, the rabbis from the border rabbis and from other communities come in the facility to celebrate after Passover, the end of Passover. I met some good rabbis. I met Rabbi Epstein, I met Goldstein, and daytime, I started communicating with them on the outside which I got connected to other places. Mm. So I started writing letters and finally complaining about why does my mother got to do with me and my my beliefs and what I want. Yeah. Regardless if my mother was born in the moon or anybody else, but you can't take away from a person what they feel they should believe in or they want to practice whatever religion they want to practice. You think that in today's I m and that you will be more than happy to have outsiders come because it grows your congregation and, and you support more. But to limit you that and take that away from you, you're you decreasing your attendance at one. And then you have people confused that don't want to believe in you no more. Totally. And then you heard other people that they really deeply enjoy. So since I've been mate, me, Avion, a- B- um, Liblock, she's a director from uh, Witness of Masses and Conservation. So through her, they got the suitcase project, where they provided me with a cell phone, they provided me with a laptop. Wow and they pay for whole year. Wow. And I go to the synagogue. I go to the synagogue on Saturday from um, West 86th Street 15 West Eighty Sixth Street to the AJS synagogue. Then I go to, on Friday nights, I go to the one on West 30th Street huh. for a celebration. What are so, some
0: of your favorite parts of Judaism? Like, what are some of the things that you connect with or, like, enjoy?
1: I love the singing. Have you never seen... I, I encourage you to, one Saturday, go to AJS at 15 West 86th Street.
0: I never heard about it, I'll look it up.
1: Yes, they are amazing, the, the Judaism song, the prayer, they're so wonderful, they, ah, it's so relaxing. You go there from 9 to 1 o'clock. It's like magical. And it keeps pulling you, pulling you, pulling you to keep coming. Mm-hmm. And if I, so I, I, I'm starting back to Judaism to I'm prepared to convert fully into Judaism. Um, which I'm working on that now. Wow. And and I love it. I mean, it, it key because so many positive people in there. They're willing to help at times and. Feels like I got an extended family, so I'm enjoying it, and because of the love, and that's what's keeping me moving on. That's what's keeping me strong, and that's what made me change my life from what I was feeling the animal in me to,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: to what I am today, to positive advocate.
0: And what um, else are you working with as an advocate? You said um, pink and black. And black and pink. I mean,
1: black and pink, yeah. Uh, Civil rights Project, the um, Parole Preparation Project, and I do advocacy for my community, for the LGBT community. And wherever else they need me, they call for me to help. I'm there because, yeah. you know, if I don't get tired of saying it, then the only way that society will be educated, if we educate them by talking... If you hold it back, it bottles in. And Mm -hmm. when something bottles in, it just like takes you back to it. And you just go stir crazy.
0: Totally. Yeah, how do you get all this energy? You just have so much to give right now.
1: The energy I get from the love I get from the people in society. The love is what energizes me. Mm -hmm. When I see the love and the appreciation in people's eyes, when I speak, when they see me, see... The eyes never lie. So when you communicate with someone, you see in the eyes and they tell you, son, you automatically know that person is lying they're telling you the truth. And when I see there's so much more truth than there is lies, it gives me more energy to move on and continue doing what I do. Mm. Uh, But it's been the most i never had so much fun and feel so much happy in my life than I do now. And that's thanks to this new young generation that is so brave and so open-minded and have no rocks in their tongue. They will speak their mind. They will tell you how it feels. Sometimes they make me feel like a dummy.
0: Well, there's just also a new evolution because of they are language so smart. that's happening. Yeah. I heard you didn't like the word queer.
1: No, I don't like queer.
0: Could you explain why?
1: Queer to me is like a curse, like a bad word to call somebody. I don't know how somebody could identify themselves as queer. Either you are a woman or you are, or you're gay. But to be queer it's the opposite of what you call a black person, the N-word. That's how I look at it. Mm. To me, it's offensive. I used to, to write to, his name was Dante, Dante. He was a social worker working with uh, the Civil River law Project, but he moved on. He used to say he's queer. And I express it to one okay, yeah, okay, no, we don't use that word. I agree with you, it's a bad word. And oh, don't identify yourself. And if you don't identify yourself I think they won't what are you afraid of? You need to identify yourself no such thing as you don't have no identity. It's like saying you don't have a name. Mm. So if you are having sex with another male, then you are gay, or that you either transsexual. If you don't want to look like a girl dressed like a girl, then you are gay. All that queer, weird, nah. <laughs> I don't believe in none of that. I believe only in three definitions: that the gay people, the transgender, the lesbians, and butchers.
0: Mm.
1: because they are. I mean, we represent who we are. I don't care what people think. People could say whatever. Those who agree with me, I probably admit, my heart is always with them. Those who don't know, I was say, yeah, kiss my ass. I mean, you know, because actually, if we continue to feed into what society wants you to do, we become a robot. So you're never gonna be happy, because you're gonna be trying to please everybody else and not pleasing yourself. Mm-hmm. So you deny yourself happiness just to please somebody else, or you worry how people gonna see you, or what people gonna say about you. Just like when you put your clothes on, oh, and people gonna see me like I'm this and no, forget about how the people see you. See yourself in that mirror, and if you love what you got on and what you put on, you feel beautiful in that. Then you walk out that door because you know how you feel, not how they feel. So you're gonna act on their feelings. Yeah. You're gonna be crazy. I mean, it puts you to depression mode. That's why a lot of girls, that's what I understand models. They, they psychologically they fuck them up. You can't be fat, you gotta be skinny, you gotta be this. And you make them starving and, and harm themselves physically. Except to get big girls, the medium girls, the skinny girls, the small ones. It comes in all sizes. So let them be who they want to be. Let them enjoy it. and you see there's more progress in life with that person.
0: Um, Is there anything else you want to share with us?
1: <laughs> well, the only thing i like to share is that for the new young generation, that I would love to see is that more advocacy in the communities about unifying, by always unifying as one family the gays, the lesbians, the butch, the drag queen, the transsexual, the bisexual. We are just one family, we're just one thing, human beings. The only definition to us is humans, we are humans. Human whatever desires we have to have in life, we deserve to be happy. We need to be unified so that that way we'd be able to accomplish everything we want in life. Because if we don't unify and we divided, how we expect to fight? why you wait to June to celebrate pride or celebrate who you are? Because we're not celebrating pride. We'll pride ourselves day in, day out. The minute you wake up to the minute you go to sleep. Mm -hmm. If you don't feel your own pride, your own love of who you are, you never will. You have to identify with your heart. Every day of your life, all day. Live each day as is your last day. Because tomorrow is not promised to no one. So if you don't deprive yourself of happiness or whatever you want, whatever you want, go for it. Don't be afraid. If you like someone or you want to be with somebody, whatever you want, don't be afraid to ask them. The worst thing that could happen that person tell you no that they don't mess around, but at least you acted on your own emotion, not someone else's emotion. So do what you feel. Be who you can be. This is like the army. Be all that you can be (laughs) as long as you're happy doing what you do. Don't ever let nobody take you down. Don't let words when people degrade you. Oh, you ugly bitch. Oh, look at that motherfucker. Oh, don't type. of languages the society sometimes tend to use from these degraded people in society. Let it go like the wind. Go in one ear and blow the other one. When somebody tells you something negative, tell them something positive. When negativity is hitting you, you hit it with positive, you respond back with positivity. It's the only way you're gonna survive. If you respond with negativity or with violence back then, you're gonna be like me. You'll find yourself behind bars for a very long time and suffer things that I never want you to suffer. Because when you go in that prison system, It's like signing your life to hell and the devil. Because that's how you're going to be acting in prison. Mm -hmm. And that's the way they're going to treat you. Like you want those demons that they need to kill. Other than that, I'm happy. Be happy. Keep going. Keep advocating. Don't stop. Don't let your energy wear out. Till you get to my age, and then you teach the next generation. When I die, I want to die happy. I know I'm dying happy knowing that I left a good young generation that's still going to continue fighting, just like we continue fighting after Sylvia. We're still fighting. we fighting for you now, and then the next this generation when they get, to that state they will fight for the next young generation. So, this is the only way but we can do it if we don't stay unified. We don't spread the love amongst each other. And we have to respect ourselves and respect others so they could respect us in society. Don't be a douchebag. Be a bear like a marshmallow. Sweet as a marshmallow and soft as tender. <laughs> It'd be um, the best way to describe it.
0: Thank you, Rona.
1: I thank you for this opportunity and for giving me the chance to let the probably young generation know that although we go through what we go through in life, we have better things to give. Don't let your heart take away your passion. Don't let the bad things deter you from being who you want to be into progress okay we get delayed you run into bumpy roads but you lift yourself back up and you show them don't let them win you win beat them at their own game because if you harm yourself you kill yourself they win because look we may so they go to the next one Mm -hmm. so you don't let them know you stop them in your track you become that roadblock to them make them go away Be happy. Keep moving around. Enjoy and keep spreading the word around. Don't stop. Don't sleep. All right. I love your world, my heart. (sighs)